This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. Only about uh, a third of patients arrive within that magic time window where we can use the clot-busting agents to reverse a stroke in progress. That's Dr. Frank Silver explaining that people don't react fast enough when a stroke strikes. June is Stroke Awareness Month and he'll tell us how to recognize the symptoms and the risk factors. And this week, CARP, a new vision of aging, sent its advocacy team to Canada's East Coast to meet politicians and local Zoomers. We'll have an update from Susan Ng. And not only were the Beach Boys in town this week, but their legendary lead man, Brian Wilson, celebrated his 70th birthday on Wednesday. Today, we'll hear Brian Wilson reflect on his career with the Beach Boys, and we'll hear some of their music that's perfect for kicking off summer. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. We've all heard the negative stigmas about aging, but it turns out many of us think getting old is better than we expected. That's according to a recent survey by the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer. It found many people listed greater wisdom, appreciation for friends and family, increased confidence, and freedom to try new things as the big benefits of getting older. It also found that older Zoomers feel more energetic than previous generations. 70% said they are more active than their parents were at the same age. And while we might feel a little more optimistic about aging, there are some harsh realities we all need to deal with, including a potential crisis in long-term care. A new study by Canada's life insurance industry says it will cost nearly $1.2 trillion to provide long-term care to baby boomers, but current government programs and financing will only cover about half that. Earlier this week, the Institute for Research on Public Policy released a paper calling on government to create a universal public insurance plan for long-term care. Currently, it's not covered under the Canada Health Act. And while there are government programs to help people, they vary from province to province and are subject to income restrictions. The IRPP says expecting people to save enough for their own long-term care is unrealistic and that it will either have to be dealt with through private insurance companies, or a public scheme. A new AARP survey finds older Americans widely agree that Congress should strengthen protections against age discrimination in the workplace. Currently, employees who believe they were targeted because of their age have to prove it. A new bill put forward by Iowa Senators Chuck Grassley and Tom Harkin aims to reverse that, meaning employers would have to prove that age discrimination was not a factor. Most of the AARP's respondents support this and also say they feel their age would be an obstacle if they had to find a new job. 
And finally, Brian Wilson wasn't the only music legend to celebrate his 70th birthday this week. Sir Paul McCartney turned the big 7-0 on Monday. He was born on June 18, 1942, became an internationally famous rock star in the 60s, and almost 50 years later shows no signs of slowing down. He's currently preparing for a feature role in the London Summer Olympics opening ceremony. And if you're wondering, Paul McCartney is the second oldest living Beatle. Ringo Starr is 71. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Do you know how to recognize the signs of stroke and how long you have to get to the hospital? It's information that could mean the difference between a complete recovery and permanent damage. And since it's Stroke Awareness Month, I spoke to Dr. Frank Silver, a neurologist who specializes in treating stroke. June is Stroke Awareness Month, and I guess the biggest problem is that people do not get themselves or their loved ones to the hospital fast enough. They don't recognize that stroke is a true emergency, and moreover, often they're not calling 911 to get to hospital quickly. And if you've ever been to an emergency department and walked in and seen the chaos there, you don't want to walk through the emergency. You want to call 911 and let the emergency medical services take you by ambulance to hospital where everything will run smoothly and you'll get through the lineups and get right to where you need to be for appropriate treatment. They won't make you wait if you come with EMS people. No, what uh, people don't understand is that we've spent the last 10 years organizing the uh, EMS to ensure that patients with a threatened stroke uh, bypass um, even emergency departments that can't look after them, that don't have the appropriate resources to manage stroke, to go to the stroke center. We get pre-notification to the patients en route, and we have our stroke team waiting for those patients because time is brain, and every minute you delay and you don't get medical uh, attention, there's a greater probability that you're going to have a devastating uh, result from your stroke and be disabled. Now, is the problem that people don't recognize the signs, or is, or is it that they don't want to make a fuss, they don't want to go for something that might be a small thing? Well, it appears to be both. Um, the data that has been collected by the Heart and Stroke Foundation shows that um, most patients can recognize maybe one symptom of stroke, but they can't recognize at least two. And moreover, even if they recognize the symptoms, they don't realize that it's a medical emergency, and many don't realize that you have to call 911 to get to hospital. Okay, what are the signs of a stroke? Well, the important signs to know are any kind of weakness or numbness, especially down one side of the body, uh, trouble speaking, uh, vision problems where you suddenly lose vision or you develop double vision, any kind of sudden, severe, unusual headache, and dizziness, but not dizziness, just a little bit of dizziness in isolation. It's usually significant dizziness with unsteadiness, inability to walk, especially when it's accompanied by you know, slurred speech or the other signs of weakness or visual problems. The key feature of a stroke is that it's a sudden loss of function. So you're perfectly fine, and then suddenly you, know, you can't move your arm, or you're having trouble speaking, or you're having trouble seeing. So sudden is a key word. Who is at risk for stroke? Uh, everyone. Uh, stroke affects all ages, uh, even the pediatric group. Even infants can have stroke. Obviously, the risk of stroke increases as one gets older uh, because of underlying uh, risk factors. At what age does it become more likely? Well, it keeps going up um, over time, but 
the major risk factors, uh, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, uh, and a regular heart rhythm called atrial fibrillation. These things obviously are more prevalent as one gets older. Now, which particular population is the slowest at responding to the warning signs? Surprisingly, it's the younger population, those under the age of 50, that responded slower to uh, symptoms of a stroke and got to the emergency late uh, versus the older patients. What happens in a stroke is that a clot, the commonest kind of a stroke, a clot is blocking an artery and minute by minute more of the brain is dying. We need to have patients uh, at the hospital as soon as possible, uh, but at least within the first uh, three and a half hours and only about uh, a third of patients arrive within that magic time window where we can use the clot-busting agents to reverse a stroke in progress. If you get to, to us early enough and we can dissolve the clot, restore the blood flow to the part of the brain that's deficient, there's a much greater probability that you're going to have a good outcome. What percentage of stroke victims recover completely? Some patients have a full recovery, but I would say it's kind of a law of thirds, that a third of patients are left with a significant deficit. 15% don't survive their stroke, and the hemorrhages, the, the risk of death is even greater. But a, a large majority of patients are left with some neurological deficit, you know, difficulty walking, difficulty speaking after a stroke. And of course, there is a recovery process, and with good rehabilitation, patients can improve, but that's a long process that takes months, and it's not always complete. Uh, the best way of managing a stroke is if we can get to the patient early enough and reverse the process by uh, dissolving the clot, restoring the blood flow, there is a chance that everything can come back to normal. And we sometimes refer to that as the Lazarus effect, where it's like raising someone up from the dead. We see a patient come into the emergency. They're paralyzed on one side. They can't speak. You give them the drug, and then, you know, an hour later, suddenly everything's working and they're completely back to normal. So that's what we want to see with more and more patients. Well, that sounds like the best outcome. Final question, what about those mini-strokes, TIAs, I think they're called, that people don't even know they have? Right. So with a TIA, it's basically the same as a stroke, but the symptoms resolve uh, rapidly. So usually, you know, in a matter of 10, 15 minutes. Um, so that's our best opportunity if someone has a TIA, so they've had basically a threatened stroke and they've recovered spontaneously, so the body has gotten rid of the clot and restored the blood flow soon enough so no damage has occurred or only minimal damage has occurred, that's a great opportunity for us to investigate the patient, figure out what's going on, and making sure they don't have the more severe stroke in the future. And patients have to realize that the probability of another stroke and a severe stroke is greatest in the first uh, you know, 24 to 48 hours. So they can't, you know, can't book an appointment with their physician next week. They've got to come to the emergency and they've got to be sorted out right away. Okay. Dr. Frank Silver, thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye now. For more information on the warning signs of a stroke, go to heartandstroke.ca. I'm Libby Snymer and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. The problems aging Canadians face vary from province to province, and that's why CARP sent representatives to the East Coast to meet with both politicians and citizens. In just a moment, we'll hear what Susan Ang learned on this trip. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. 
It may be a summer holiday for most politicians, but CARP, a new vision of aging, has taken its advocacy on the road. Susan Eng and her team spent the week traveling through the Maritimes to get a handle on how the issues are affecting Atlantic Canadians. I caught up with her in St. John, New Brunswick. Susan Eng, you are on a big maritime trip for CARP, so please tell us where you've been and what are the key issues out there. Well, you know, the trip through the Maritimes has been very interesting. We have uh, met with the Ministers of Finance, Justice, and Seniors in PEI, and it's really important to get a local flavor because when we're looking at national issues, the important point here is that they have massively important provincial impacts. And it's easy enough in Ottawa for people to make decisions, numbers on a page, but they never look at the people behind them. And I can tell you that the people here really are thinking hard and long about some of the changes that are coming out of Ottawa, and they're very worried. Well, the maritime provinces are traditionally the have-not provinces. So what is worrying them? Is it the, uh, the increase in the age of retirement? Well, they feel things much more here, much more keenly. They are an older population overall here. And when people come to rely on income supplements, the changes such as the proposed changes to the age of eligibility for old age security worries them a lot, not only the individuals in our chapters, but also the uh, ministers who will have to find room in their budgets to deal with the added burden of people looking for provincial welfare. Uh huh. And uh, are the ministers expecting that to be a, a big percentage of the Zoomers? Well, it's not clear. They don't know. The numbers are not obvious. And I think part of the problem, and it's a little bit disappointing to have to say this, but in fact, the changes won't take place for 10 years at least. And in many politicians' minds, that's two election cycles from now. So I'm not sure why there are no specific plans, but certainly our members out here are worried about, well, what is going to happen? Is Ottawa going to be working that out with the provinces? Isn't that the plan? Well, that's what they said in the budget. But given the way they basically ignore people's pleas to have, you know, to slow down and have a proper conversation about this uh, when they were pushing the budget bill through, um, people are quite unnerved by that and don't really think that their government is going to be listened to them anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Are there any other issues that are particularly on the minds of maritime Zoomers? Well, we're here in New Brunswick right now, and in today's papers, they were worried very much about the issue of no access to home care. Now, we've talked about this a few times before, Libby, when we say that, you know, people would prefer to deal with their medical challenges at home and not be stuck in hospitals or necessarily going to nursing homes. Well, here, they don't have that intermediate step. They are waiting hospitals for nursing home beds, which are not readily available. According to the papers today, some 30% of the beds in the hospitals are, be, are taken up with people who really need not to be there but are waiting for a nursing home placement. When the Minister of Health is quoted in papers today declaring a crisis, well, I think they've got more serious problems than perhaps we do. In Ontario? Mm. Hmm. And so what are you trying to accomplish? What are you lobbying for? 
Well, I think that what's important for us as an organization is to make it perfectly clear to the local politicians and our chapters as well that while we do have national issues, there is a direct and important provincial impact that requires perhaps more sensitivity at the local level and uh, a greater understanding among members as to what they personally can do about it. One of the advantages in provinces like this is that people actually, you know, run into their cabinet ministers at the grocery store, right? And so if we equip our members with the research and the positioning that we have, we can both have them raise these issues with their local MPs and support them uh, in their own uh, recommendations to their MPs and MPPs. Susan Ng, have a great trip, and we'll see you back here. Thanks for joining us. Yes, see you soon. That was Susan Ng, CARP's Vice President of Advocacy. I'm Libby Snymer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. This week, Brian Wilson celebrated his 70th birthday. It coincided with a concert in Toronto, and we caught up with the living legend while he was in town. That's next. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. Those are the beautiful harmonies of the Beach Boys. They were in Toronto this week as part of their 50th anniversary tour, which features music from their new album, That's Why God Made the Radio. This week also marked Brian Wilson's 70th birthday. And we caught up with a famous songwriter and his cousin and fellow Beach Boy, Mike Love, to talk about what it's like being back together after a feud separated them for decades. We're talking about the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. We all have our individual pursuits and a way of doing things and ability to do things individually, but also collectively, when you get together, it's very evident with the audience response and and doing the album together that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The boys also told us how this new album came to be. Well, we wanted to make an album for our 50th anniversary to go with the tour, and it took us about two, three months to make it, but we did it. There was a, an element of retrospective in, in the Beach Boys stuff. Because we've been around for 50 years, obviously I don't think you can get away from being nostalgic. Nor would you want to be. There's a, a lyric in the song, Isn't It Time, that goes, uh, we can s- still have a blast, or the good times aren't only in the past. You know, as you grow older, you can grow better and you can enjoy life even more. And finally, we couldn't let Mike Love go without asking him his favorite Beach Boy song. Oh, man, there's so many of them. There's uh, good vibrations I think you have to be proudest of in terms of its unique. It's not derivative. I say it's not derivative. So many songs sound like a, a combination of other songs that came before it, but good vibrations sounds like it comes from another planet or something, mm-hmm. another universe. It's completely unique and brilliant and was number one. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear. That was Good Vibrations, one of the incredibly popular and iconic songs written and recorded by the Beach Boys. And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. 
Next week, my guest will be two-time Booker Prize winner Peter Carey. See you then. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on AM740 Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.